This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Have a good night, everybody. Ready? Hi. Hey, Chicago! I don't know if I'm supposed to take this out, but I'm doing it anyway. Me so. too. Cool. Hi, oh everyone. Oh, my God. I've been looking forward to this show for so long. Yay, 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 Also, yay. thanks for selling out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my god. I'm gosh. having trouble over here. Hi. Ooh. Um. Ooh. How are you? Oh, this Good. Is so Good. Holy shit. That was me. Uh, Say something interesting. I'm really overwhelmed, so. <sighs> um, all right. <sighs> Don't mind me. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I've never been here. Uh, oh, wait. I, I lied. I have been here. Um, to Chicago? Yeah. Well, for a second, I thought I've only been here for a layover, but I actually came here a couple years ago. Um, with my ex, we won't talk about that, but, uh, tell us more. The thing I loved the most of that whole trip was that I was in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. What a compliment. You're better than M's ex. I bet that feels really good. (laughs) You guys have wonderful pizza. You do. And you guys, I, during that layover, the reason I remember the layover is if I'm, uh, this is a dangerous thing to say, but, but Uh if I'm picking between the pizzas and the hot dogs, I really appreciate your hot dogs the most. I heard a couple of people go, 
Okay. Some people okay. are like, that's fine. I can leave. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, but I remember the layover before anything else because that was the first time I had a Chicago dog. And I ate one and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. And then I was like, if this is how good it is at an airport, I imagine they're like really good. So that's why I remember my two instances here. But anyway, hi, Chicago. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting Listen. me eat your hot dogs. Um, uh, as a fellow Midwesterner, I have been to Chicago a lot. <laughs> and I'm sorry I don't eat hot dogs anymore, but I do, I do, I do like pizza and other things. So, did you do anything when you were here earlier? Well, did did any? I no? hung out in my hotel room for a little bit. Well, <laughs> that was about it. Christine's family is here tonight. They also. are. Yeah, so they're, they're here. Blaze is here. They had a great time exploring. They did a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff. I had to maybe finish my notes, but shh, we won't worry about that. I know very little, but all I heard was that Blaze was at a restaurant yeah. today that had puppies for adoption. Yeah. That was, it was actually very cruel because I was like, oh, I have to finish my notes. And he's like, no, come to the bar. And I was <laughs> they like, they don't need you to have a story <laughs> tonight. It's fine. I was like, oh, I have to finish these maybe later. And he's like, well, here are the dogs up for adoption. I was like, what the fuck? That was so cruel. It worked out, though, because in our hotel, I found a puppy. Yes. His name is Hunter. We're best friends. Yes. I can confirm that. I've been Nobody replaced. Nobody tell Gio. <laughs> yeah, Nobody. No. Gio and I have been replaced. <laughs> Gio is going to text me in the middle of the night being like, what's dear? What are you hiding? Anyway, we love Chicago. We, I... It's very close to where I'm from. I love it. I don't know. You guys are great. You know the that only already, thing I don't though. like is the cold. That's all I don't like. It's a little cold. It's not a bad thing to hate. Yeah. Would you like to crack into it? Yes. Okay. Yes, please. All right. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month they deliver toys and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. At Bark, they send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's their fun plush toys from BarkBox or their ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, they give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, they'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com drink. 
That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash drink for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. Let's see what I've got for you today, students. I'm very excited. You guys win, actually, uh, a little prize because you get two stories. Yay! (laughs) You win a little prize. A little prize (laughs) called a double whammy. So, uh, we look. It's I'm not I'm not fooling anybody by letting you know for the thousandth time how much I'm in love with steak, right? With steak? I know you guys don't know where this is going, but yeah, you know how much I love steak. So yeah, I was looking up things. Steak. Like, you were looking up steak. I have before. I know. But um, I once found a folder on M's desktop that just said pictures of steak, and I was like, "There." <laughs> I had I'm a not reason. Kidding. I had a reason, and I don't need to get into it because it doesn't sound like a good enough reason. Um, but anyway, so I was looking up. I mean. You can probably assume how my searches for haunted places go. I Google haunted places in and then the city name. (laughs) And then the first place happened to have the name steak in the title. And I was like, oh, done. (laughs) And then the story wasn't long enough for me to feel like I had satisfied your thirst for knowledge. And so I was like, (laughs) well, let's make a theme out of this. And I couldn't find another steak thing, but I found more food things. So I guess we'll take it. A food themed haunted walk through oh, the park, yeah. if you will. So, so there's uh, the first one I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not tell you the second one so you guys get to wonder and have a little intrigue with me. So, You're such a good teacher. I know. It's like, mm, you don't need to know that yet. So, I want you to have intrigue with me. Don't worry <laughs> about it. It'll keep you wanting more. So the first story I'm going to cover, and if you know it, Awesome. If you don't, we're, you're going to learn something tonight. Uh, this is the, it's not around anymore, but it used to be called That Steak Joint. And it used yay! to. Yay! Oh, no. sure. Yay. <laughs> Sorry. We usually tell you guys to clap anyway because we like have severe anxiety and we forgot to do that. So. Well. Yay. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say that it's now the oh. Adobo Grill. Do you guys know what that is? Okay. Okay, all right. I spoke too soon. No, no, no. I appreciate you having them, like, there was calm my nerves. There was lingering silence for two milliseconds too long. <laughs> oh, that's funny how anxiety works. Yeah. So, Isn't it, though? <laughs> two milliseconds <laughs> equals two centuries. Yeah. So, uh, so it was, before it was the adobo grill, it was called that steak joint. Um, but the joint is spelled J-O-Y-N-T. Oh, of course it is. So. Clever. Fun fact number one. So. God damn it. However, that one was that one was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to uh, get worse from here, aren't they? <laughs> the yeah. fun facts. <laughs> yeah. So um, that steak joint was a Victorian-style three-story building, and it shares a wall with Second City. So oh! I had a hunch I'd get Hell you there. Yeah. So uh, it, the building goes all the way back to the 1860s. It was a bread factory called Piper's Bakery. Aw. Um, it was one of the biggest bread distributors of the time, and it employed over 500 workers and even housed a school for the employees' children to attend. Okay. So it was also helping out the That's world. That's nice. nice. Uh, on one side of it was an alley. So next to Piper's Bakery was an alley, and that alley apparently to this day, I don't know if it's like well-known, but it's still called Piper's Alley. 
And uh, in the early 1900s, there were two different murders that were committed oh, there. Good. So, Great. something to like take someone on a date to. <laughs> um, so, it was a man and a woman, and I think they were both, it was the same instance. I don't know the story behind how they died. I just know that they ended up being found a couple oh, days later. So, no. yikes. Um, in the 1920s, uh, Piper, Henry Piper, um, he retired from the bakery and ended up uh, deciding that he was going to sell it. And then the building became a whole lot of other things. I think it became a laundromat and a hardware store. And in 1962, the year of my mother's birth. Aww. Don't do the math. She's 35. <laughs> um, she, uh, she bought... Uh, oh, no, my mom didn't do I anything. I was like, she did what? She was born, and that was enough for that year. Um, she was already purchasing real estate. It's yeah. a whole thing. <laughs> you know the dynamo Linda Sherman is. She would, though. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. So, uh, so she was off, like, at a hospital being born. And so <laughs> while that was happening, uh, a guy named Billy and a guy named Rodell uh, bought the building, and that's when it became the steak joint, so since the 60s. Um, the inside of the restaurant was filled with a whole bunch of like art and antiques from various places. And they just, if they, if it looked interesting, they just bought it. They didn't really care where it came from, which is just a perfect recipe of just a bunch of combined old energy, AKA several ghosts. Ghosts. So good job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So this is basically our podcast room. It's just people send us weird shit and we just put it all on a wall and it's true. It's amazing it what is. kind of energy we probably collected we in our studio. We have three Robert the Dolls in there. It's really bad. I know, I know. But what am I going to do, throw it away? I feel like that's worse. Yeah, because you know? then he'll know. You guys are the ones that stick me with all that shit, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Someone literally in a, like, out of a scary movie in a wooden crate yes, sent us a haunted doll and her on, horse. A, on, a, on a horse. And, like, apparently the two dolls didn't come together. They, like... We're both haunted and now enjoy each other's company and then they in the said, wooden oh, crate. Well, when we got it uh, a few days later, our house burned down, so we thought we'd send it to you. And I was like... <laughs> so now it's like, do we get rid of it or do we just hope the house doesn't burn down? Oh, by down? the way, sorry, Blaze. He has not heard about this yet, so <laughs> my bad. Yeah, by the way, listen, nothing's burned down yet. So. I feel like when we're not around, Blaze walks around in the <laughs> studio and looks at every item and is like, I don't know what you could do to me, but please leave me alone. <laughs> He probably throws away shit and just, we don't even know. Everything except lemon, Blaze. We've talked. I don't know why you haven't done it yet. Blaze knows better than to throw away lemon. <laughs> we love lemon. We do. So, uh, so of the items that they collected over the years, there was a specific set uh, that they purchased that was the most notorious for being haunted, mm -hmm. which were uh, two portraits. Uh, one was of a man named William Devine, and the other portrait was of his wife, Catherine Devine. Apparently, William Devine was a milk merchant from the late 1800s. Cool. That's all we know. Great. Um, but they each had a portrait of them done, and whoever ended up, the art dealer that sold it to the restaurant, said that he kept it for a long time, but he wanted to sell it and potentially even destroy them because they creeped him out so much, <laughs> they made him feel very uneasy. He felt stared at, and apparently ever since he owned them, he always had a run of really, really bad luck. Well. So, uh, including the time where uh, there was, like, a stint where apparently Catherine's portrait was now lifting itself off the wall and oh throwing itself onto the floor. Oh, dear. 
Like they were nailed in and had like a wire, so like it couldn't just fall. It had to be lifted off the nail. And so oh, no, no. Apparently, at one point, he then tried to put it back on the wall, and then it threw itself off the wall again in his hands, and then came crashing down and broke his toes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny. That's terrible. That's really sad. <laughs> well, for his toes, yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, he was like, okay, I don't want to be near this thing. It's clearly, like, starting to hurt me. I just want to sell it. And that's when the interior designer for the steak, that steak joint was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Can I have it? And he was like, please take them. <laughs> so then the designer of the restaurant ended up also saying that uh, he, too, was freaked out by the pictures. And patrons of the restaurant started saying that they didn't like the portraits either. Um, apparently people were reporting getting a cold chill when uh, run by them whenever they were standing next to the picture. They also reported that the woman, Catherine, the more dangerous portrait, was smiling at them when you looked at the portrait in a reflection. Ew! <laughs> so apparently it used to be, the portraits used to be across the way from a mirror, and if you were looking in the mirror, the portrait would smile ew, at you. Ew, ew, ew. Also, they swear that the eyes would follow you. Of course, of course. And so those, those didn't last very long. So <laughs> um, the restaurant also did regular seances in the 80s. Because <laughs> Why not? the owner, Billy, was like, it's probably haunted. Let's, let's make some money off that. So uh, they did regular seances. And apparently they frequently contact, they were in contact with three main spirits in the building. Um, one was an architect who designed the building back in the 1800s. One was a woman that worked at Piper's Bakery. And one would not reveal his identity. <gasps> Zach Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. His name is Lemon. And so... <laughs> he has quite a storied past, so you never know. <laughs> so uh, while they were... Uh, Oh, yeah. So during the seances, they actually ended up scheduling two different nights where they were also going to do uh, overnight investigations. And so they had one investigation in 1991 and one in 1994. And they had reporters there both times. So one, I think the 1999 one was for the, I don't know the name, so I might mess up the Chicago Sun Tribune Times. Times. Okay. I knew yeah. it was CST. Uh, and then the Tribune other was a good guess, though. I don't know. Sounds fancy. And then the other one had reporters and like a, a from a, a a news show. So I don't. I'm not going to guess. What was those it called? <laughs> KSWFMT. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. You know, radios have the, those letters. All right. <laughs> okay. Did I sound smart there? Yep. 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 yep, yep. Good. Good. Yep. Yep. I've fooled you. So. Anyway, so they had overnight investigate, uh, investigations, and they made sure that there were reporters at each one. And uh, in those investigations, they found several instances of glowing lights in different rooms of different colors, um, magnetic disturbances that they had that were not accounted for, or could not be accounted for. And they had done a whole run through of the buildings to make sure that they checked like faulty wiring, and they looked at the blueprints. So they they had an idea of where there should be disturbances. And when they tested the house earlier it wasn't showing up and now all of a sudden machines are going kind of weird. They're acting kind of weird for no reason. Um, they got a lot of photos which validated what the medium was saying in each room, including uh, apparitions and shadow figures that she said she felt coming from different corners of the room. So then they looked at pictures and it was able to confirm that there was like a shadow figure Super. sitting in the corner where she said. 
Super duper. I, I don't know, like, if I were her and that was my job, I don't know if I'd be, like, awesome or, like... Like, God damn it. I'd be like, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm bad at this job. Um, <laughs> so some shadows were also caught on multiple cameras, so further confirming that what she saw was valid and it wasn't... Uh, one picture wasn't an anomaly compared to another picture. Right. Um, there was one picture specifically of a shadow figure in a robe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> standing in a table. So, okay. You could see the top half, but then like the bo- like you couldn't it was like as if he was standing in the middle of the table. Like so. he walked through it or something. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, glad I had a table to get show you <laughs> Exactly what I meant. To show you what it looks like when someone's walking through a table. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) By doing this a lot. You got it. You figured it out. Very clear. We Um, didn't bring a robe. Otherwise, we would have demonstrated. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, They also uh, got on video a door to the kitchen opening on its own and opening pretty strongly. And so they went to go test the draft. And the draft was actually going in the opposite direction. So something forced against the draft and shoved the door open. Um, there were flickering lights, cold spots, footsteps, the sounds of something dragging across the floor in an empty room. Cool, cool, cool. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. And they saw apparitions of someone sitting at a dining room table, but then when they tried to approach him, it vanished. Mm-hmm. They saw apparitions... Oh, I just said that. Um, <laughs> even even just that set up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one of the investigations, one of the reporters also... Uh, she was the most skeptical and ended up becoming violently ill during an oh, EVP interview. No. Managers obviously have a hard time keeping night staff because the spirits <laughs> like to mess with the employees, especially when they are alone. Great. Um, so there are reports of staff hearing singing, and almost everyone has seen shadow figures multiple times. Employees have run out of the building during their shift and never come back. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Apparently, there was one story of a guy who even had, like, two paychecks there, and they were like, hey, you need to come get your paychecks. <laughs> no. He was like, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need money. It's hard to argue with that, though. Like, right. Oh, my God. Uh, so, in the woman's restroom, you can hear someone entering the room. So, apparently, you can hear the, like, the click-clack of shoes. You can also hear, uh, like, a skirt or a dress kind of ruffling around, and you can see the doors opening as if someone's coming in. Um, and no one's there, in case you didn't gather that. So, And it's a receptionist. She just needed a right. tea break. <laughs> and it's Christine. So, probably, uh, probably. <laughs> uh, also, the bathroom doors to the stalls will jam shut. Um, oh, fantastic. So you get stuck in there. Yeah, right. and like refuse to open, no right. matter how hard you push. So Super. Super duper. So um, there are strange lights that are also seen near the women's bathroom, especially at night. And apparently people have seen lights going through the bathroom doors into the stalls. Um, okay. And then you can hear the door moving as if someone is, like, turning the doorknob on the other side. Ew. Yikes. There are reports of something touching people, something oh. brushing by people, or just plain old running into people. <laughs> okay. Uh, staff have reported seeing bright yellow eyes staring at them in dark rooms. Oh, that's actually pretty bad. Imagine if your boss is like, now go sweep in there. And it's like, (laughs) no, no. Uh, They've gotten an EVP of a woman moaning and a woman screaming. 
Fol- quote followed by a high-pitched squeal. So I don't, I don't know if any of that's good or... I don't really want to know, so... I'm going to leave that to the intrigue I was telling you about earlier. Right. <laughs> Staff have also heard, quote, guttural growling. Oh, good. Well, what's interesting about that is they heard it both on a digital recorder later and they heard it in real time. So they it were in a room... It wasn't just an EVP. It was like... Yeah, it wasn't like something they just like found out later. They right. knew that they caught something because they heard it in the middle of the interview. Um, people smell something burning but there's also always the recurring scent of flowers in certain rooms. Okay, that's not terrible. Maybe it's flowers burning, and you can combine them. Oh. Oh, no. Apparently, there was... uh, The reason it smells like it's burning is because back in the late 1800s, Piper's Bakery actually caught on fire and burnt down, and then they ended up rebuilding at the time that it was still a bakery. But it did burn down, so they say that that might be the smelling... Yeah. Might be a residual ghost smell. I don't know. Right. The, uh, the manager one time saw people walking up the, the staircase after the entire restaurant had been closed, and he was the only one there. Um, so he went looking for them. He saw them turn the corner. He kept following them, and then nobody was there. Spirits have gotten violent. One employee was closing up and felt a hand grab his shoulder and yank him backwards. And when he turned around, no one was there. And Ooh. the same thing happened to a bartender who was going upstairs and felt... <gasps> A hand grabbed the back of his shirt. Shut up. Uh. He was going upstairs and he felt a hand grab the middle of his shirt and then yank him backwards on the <gasps> stairs. Did he fall? Uh, I think he caught himself, but he also turned around because he was like, what the fuck was that? And no one was there. Oh, that's terrifying. And then it got really bad when a server was clearing tables after everything had closed up. Um, she was putting dishes in the sink and she felt a hand grab her wrist. She turned to see who it was. No one was there, but something was still holding on to her, and she could still feel something grabbing onto her, on her wrist. Um, she could see that her wrist, there was, like, imprints on her wrist of something squeezing her, Ugh. and her skin was starting to get red. Uh-uh. And then it, she tried to shake it off, and it still didn't work, and she could feel it squeezing harder and harder, and then something started dragging her. By the arm? By the wrist. Uh-uh. Because <laughs> she tried oh, no. to shake it off, and I guess oh, that pissed it off. No. And then all of a sudden, she started getting dragged across the room towards the stairs. No! Oh, no. She couldn't break away from it. Um, she tried fighting. She actually even broke a heel because she was digging her heels into the floor so much. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was able to scream really loud, and the manager found her on the floor um, they checked her wrist, and it had bruising in the shape of fingers. Ew! She quit. Wait. Why? <laughs> Something about, like, a poor work experience there. God. So that's the probably the scariest thing that they are willing to report on Google. And... <laughs> When that steak joint closed, uh, it was empty for a few years, but then in 2000, it became the Adobo Grill. And the Adobo Grill says that uh, they have no reports of activity, but they, that doesn't mean that they don't believe there aren't spirits there. They just think that the active ones probably left when they decided to do renovating for the new mm. place and all of those old antiques and everything they might have been attached to left the building. So Where'd they go? To, to maybe your home. To our house. Out. To our freaking podcast studio. Maybe they all got absorbed <laughs> into a little girl that got sent to us on a wooden crate. Yeah. 
I would explain a lot. Yeah. Anyway, that's story one. That is the yeah. that steak joint. Thank you. The next one is supposedly the most haunted pub in Chicago. Okay. So I had my steak moment. You get your pub beer moment. So we're I'm keeping it balanced thank here. Thank you. So, thank you. Okay, because I didn't say it last time. Applaud if you know what this is. The or uh, if you don't. Or if you don't, or if you're if you're that one over there, just scream. Um, the this is the Red Lion Pub. I think they actually do know it. They sounded genuine. <laughs> I feel like I knew it because I looked up pictures of it and it looked familiar. But... There's one in LA though. Oh, too. is there? I mean, there's a Red Lion Pub. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's why it's jogging a memory. So, anyway, the Red Lion Pub. It was built in, the building itself uh, was built in 1882. It is today an upscale, or it was an upscale English pub. This also apparently is now a Mexican restaurant. Yes. That was unsure to me. Can you tell? Did you look up it up on Yelp? No. Well, that would have clarified a couple of things. A lot of things I should do would clarify many things. <laughs> like what the do fuck like is a I bring... trapezoid? I should know, but... <laughs> I like calling them out on stage. So you have to. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure from what I read in one of the articles is that it's now an, it's an upscale Mexican restaurant. Called which would make Red sense because... Lion Pub? I don't know. It's a pub, everyone's saying. It's, it's a pub? pub? Okay, well then I fucked up. Oh, wait. No, I'm confusing. The Adobo Grill is the Mexican. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. I was like, I know, I know, I know what I'm talking about, but I know I don't. You're like, there are fish tacos, I swear to God. Okay. Okay. That does explain a lot. Okay. Maybe I was tricking you just to see if you knew the pub at all, and you passed. We're testing Good for you on you. your local knowledge. You get an A on the test I intentionally Congratulations. Gave you. So, okay. it is an upscale English pub. Maybe I should just read my own fucking notes. Um, Can I actually, like, say one thing? I love when you said, oh, and now it's a Mexican restaurant, right? And a couple of people were like, yeah, yeah. Like, no, but that was so nice. <laughs> You guys were so nice to me. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay, I, It was a test of love is what it was. So, <laughs> You passed. Built in 1882. Upscale English pub. Most haunted pub in Chicago. Let's try to get to the second bullet. Sure, so, sure, 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 sure. Before it was the... We're, I'm not helping. I'm sorry. <laughs> before it was the Red Lion Pub, it was a Western-themed bar called Dirty Dan's Western Saloon. Oh, Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> in the 1940s, so before it was either of those things, it was uh, heavily involved in gang activity. Uh, yeah. And I was like, That's I, right. <laughs> I was like, I didn't say a goddamn word. That's on you guys. Uh, so in the 1940s, this was. Uh, it's in a neighborhood that was heavily known for gang activity. Um, Al Capone and his buddies hung out there during the prohibition. Yeah, I Woo! forgot this was like a rough and tough kind of crowd. Woo! Uh, the bar rebels, bunch of <laughs> rabble rousers. Rabble rousers. So the bar itself was used for illegal gambling. Okay. So now I know your interests outside of listening to our podcast. <laughs> and it's across the street from the Biograph Theater. Which is also haunted, and if you're good, you'll get a whole story about that at the end as a bonus. 
So their interests are illegal gambling and musical theater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this sounds about right. I feel like I would have guessed that. Yeah. It's just a. It's just a. a uh, just a mess is what it is. A mess, yes, correct. A mess of interest. A mess for sure. So across the street from, am I saying that right, Biograph Theater? Okay, cool. So it was turned into the Red Lion Pub by Chicago architect John Cordwell. Um, okay, John? someone's an architect. John? <laughs> is that you? Well, apparently he's a, I, I'm not into architecture, but apparently he's a famous Chicago architect. Well, one person so knew about him, so. Someone was very excited about John Cordwell. <laughs> So he, as a, like, side hustle, even though he was successful and, like, a famous architect, he was like, mm, I need a hobby. So he <laughs> bought this pub and ran it with his wife and sons. So That's fun. Yeah. A fun little venture. So now his son, Colin, uh, runs it. So cool. Tell him hi if you go there. <laughs> uh, there are allegedly at least seven different ghosts here. Okay, okay. Let's talk about how they became ghosts. Um, oh, no. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> uh, so one customer actually died in the restaurant. So she was a patron at the restaurant oh. and died from a seizure. Oh, no. Uh, there was a little girl who died here from measles because at one point, there are three floors. At one point, the third floor was also apartments. Oh, so okay. she lived here and she died of measles. There was, a, we're calling him a cowboy. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. Full stop. Don't explain <laughs> it. Well, he's so it's a man that looks is dressed like a cowboy, but it's potentially just an employee from when it was a cowboy themed restaurant. <laughs> so, this poor guy's stuck in his work uniform for the rest <laughs> of his life. That's terrible. Okay. Uh, so we're just going to call him a cowboy because, like, for his sake, he needs a cooler title. Okay. Um, also, there's a man who died here because he couldn't pay his gambling debt, and so he was killed. Oh, shit. But apparently, he didn't go down without a fight because he killed his killer. So, two birds, one stone on that. Yay? I, I don't know. So that's two of the deaths. Okay. And then there's another woman who was allegedly fatally shot in one of the apartments upstairs. Super. And the final ghost is John's father, John the architect's father, Robert Cordwell, um, apparently watching over his son that now runs the restaurant. That's so nice. So let's just talk about all of this is just ways that it's haunted. So okay, let's go. Good. I'm ready. You came on a good night, chick. I'm ready. So let's let's settle in. Okay. Okay. So people hear their names being called when they're alone. Awesome. <laughs> good start. Apparently, sometimes you'll hear them screamed at you. Sometimes you'll hear them whispered to you. Sometimes you'll hear both, if you're lucky. <laughs> um, where are we? Oh, okay, so you can also feel icy cold spots. Apparently, a lot of people can smell lavender. One of the women who died upstairs was known to uh, not know how much lavender perfume to wear, so she wore a lot. <laughs> and uh, so much so that she's dead and still smells like lavender. Oh, so. oh dear. Um, <laughs> you can see an apparition of a woman wearing clothes from the 1920s. You can see a male apparition walking in the bar and going up the stairs after the restaurant's closed. Uh, the most activity happens when the pub is not very crowded. So it, uh, when I was looking up information about this on a few different websites, they were all like, so if you're trying to find a ghost, maybe go in the late evening or on a Sunday. And I was like... <laughs> It's like how like Google tells you the hours if yeah, it's like very yeah. busy or not. 
Lots of ghosts. Get there now. <laughs> uh, so during renovations, just construction workers had like their tools laid out, and a lot of them would go missing, or they would move themselves, or they would find them in random-ass places. Like They'd find like in the bathroom or in a shelf that they had not been near. Um, also, uh, construction work that had been done, they would come back the next day, and it had been ruined. Oh, and no. And they would need to redo it. That's a nightmare like, for things sure. Things would just get ripped off the walls. and Oh, no. Okay. Uh, there's heavy footsteps. There's sounds of furniture being moved or just completely flipped over. Cool. Apparently, sometimes when you're uh, like cleaning up at the end of the night, it sounds like a couch is just turning upside down. It's just like it's just loud, turning upside down. Just loud, heavy banging everywhere. So... Um, <laughs> That's a very specific sound. Oh, yeah, that couch sounds like I mean, it's turning upside down. I mean, if I haven't down. flipped a thousand couches and know exactly <laughs> what that sound is. Colin, uh, the guy that now runs it, John's yeah. son, he one time heard a crashing sound, and he went upstairs, and I guess in one of the storage rooms they have, like, um, a couple things hanging on the wall, and all of them were now on the floor across the room. Oh, no. Uh, people have been pushed down the stairs when they're alone. Uh, they had a psychic come in a couple times, and one of the psychics saw an apparition of a scruffy man in his 20s. Okay. Okay, how you doing? <laughs> uh, wearing cowboy clothes. Well. Ayo! What are we up to tonight, cowboy? <laughs> I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Imagining what it would be like to talk to a boy. I... You're a natural. That's what they say, right? What are you doing, Cowboy. You? Lasso me up. I don't know. All right. Is it getting weird yet? I want it to get weird before I stop this. <laughs> Apparently, he's known to just be stomping up the stairs, and he looks pissed. And it's like, well, yeah, I would be too if yeah, yeah. you're wearing your work uniform you're for stuck eternity. You're in your stupid cowboy boots. And the first person to see you in like 100 years just calls you a scruffy man. Um, <laughs> and awkwardly flirts at you? I don't know. No, that was me. That yeah. was me. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> Guilty! Uh, so the psychic also saw a young man with black hair and a beard. Okay, how you doing? All right, Ed. I don't know. Uh, Are you trying out some weird new character? I don't really get it. I don't know. I'm testing the waters. It's working really well for you, just FYI. Well, well not, I don't know who knows. So... Uh, <laughs> Young man, black hair with a beard and a black hat, and apparently he's also seen with a an apparition of a blonde male with a broad face. I'm not really sure what that oh means. Oh my, that sounds rude a little bit. I don't think that's we nice. We got scruffy man, broad face, black hat, I don't know. But uh, apparently they're always together whenever she was able to see them, or they were at least in the same room together, so they're kind of... Buddies. Yes. Sure. Uh, buddy, <laughs> like buddy system, like you and I when we die till death, and then yes. it, and then more. Um, aww. <laughs> oh no! We both know whoever goes first is going to haunt the uh, shit out of the yeah. other one. So we've literally had this conversation so many. times. We have this conversation on a five-minute to five-minute basis. Yes. we're having it right now. You know, who, <laughs> welcome to our personal long. lives. So <laughs> she said that the. Blonde male apparition, the one with the broad face. Apparently, he has temper issues, oh, no. and he is the one that killed the <gasps> guy with the black hair oh, and the black hat. Oh shit! So I guess the brunette with the black hat and the beard is the one that had the gambling debt, and then the blonde Got one it. tried to kill him, but then killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. 
Wait, are they the ones that are always in the yeah, room? Yeah, so they're <gasps> always stuck together. Let's hope that's not our fucking future. Can you imagine if, like, we your, killed each other? your afterlife is you're just always in the same room with your killer? Yeah, I mean, that's terrible. That's just, like, and the vice versa? exact opposite yeah, of what you want. You'd be screwed. So, uh... There's apparently always something off in the energy of the building. A lot of people just go in and just feel like there's something not right. A lot of people, a lot of guests at the restaurant feel like they're, oh, I, I'm not going to say this super casually. Let me restart and like get my serious face on. So stop laughing. Guests in the restaurant often feel like they're being choked. Oh, dear. Or, and or, that their breathing is being restricted. Oh, dear. Um, because apparently... One of the people who died. One of the people died that way. I'm not. I'm not sure how. I should have done my research. <laughs> Realizing that now, someone someone died by being strangled. Well, it wasn't the measles girl. It wasn't the measles girl. Let's guy. go through this. It wasn't the measles girl. What, maybe the cowboy. Uh, no, because didn't they kill? Who's him? to say? Oh wait, the cowboy guy. Because we don't know how he died. Yeah. Interesting. We figured it out. It was the cowboy. Okay. <laughs> don't worry, guys. We Don't worry. We did our research on stage. <laughs> it was called team effort. Um, so <laughs> it was called me not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, a lot of people will go in there and feel like they are being choked, especially if they start walking up the stairs, um, which is also a spot where people have been pushed down uh. the stairs. So it seems to be like just like a violent space. Um, Good. Just like somewhere I don't want to be. Yes. Um, so when John was still working there, he put in a glass, a stained glass window in honor of his father. Oh, that's nice. Which was nice. But apparently when his father died, it might have attached to that part of the building. <gasps> what? It, he might have apart, attached to, to a part. window. Well, because so I'm being really, I'm glossing over it. So it's a stained glass window, but it's a whole wall that's basically decorated and in honor of his father. I and so see. they have a bunch of, like, clippings of, like, being a, a war hero and things like that. It's like so, his whole... Yeah, so a lot of stuff that he would be connected Got to. Got okay, okay, okay. So then when he, uh, when he died, apparently now a lot of people feel someone staring at them there, but it feels like a fatherly figure looking at you. Which, like, of all of the things that happen in this place, I guess right. that's fine. Um, the least bad, I guess. People also feel a friendly tap on the shoulder... Um, people have felt someone put their arm around them, like, like a buddy. Aww. But people. Oh uh, yeah, no, I knew no, no. that was coming. It's not too. It's not too bad. Like of all things to happen, it's okay. not that bad. Apparently, at the uh, right before he died, he had really bad vertigo, and a lot of people get dizzy spells in that area. Oh uh, okay. So, but when people started reporting that, that's when John was convinced that the spirit in that area was his dad, because he was like, "Oh, my dad I had dizzy spells all the time." Aww. So kind of cute. Um, <laughs> Hmm. Who's to say? We'll work on a better vocabulary word for that. <laughs> uh, so when closing upstairs, one of the tasks is to put the bar stools on upside down on the table and the chairs on the table. That way, the next morning, people can come in and mop without things all over the floor. And one of the employees, that was his task, but he went outside for a second and he came back and heard like the sound of furniture and chairs being moved. And so he felt like, oh, someone's already like starting. <laughs> That's nice. He went up there and he realized that everyone else had already clocked out, so he was by himself. And then not only were the chairs not upside down like they should be, but all of them had congregated into the middle oh! of the room. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> no, that's like some poltergeist shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
He will. He also said like in a helter skelter way. That was his wording, and I was like, That's "What a creepy. terrible phrase to use!" But okay, sure. I know. Ooh. That's why I didn't put it in my notes, but I still said it, so it doesn't count. Terrible, um, terrible. Okay. So, uh, someone also, one of the spirits is also known to force plates out of servers' hands as they're handing them to customers. <laughs> Here's your soup. Is Actually, how I imagine I that love goes. That. It's the. It's definitely the cowboy, though, because yeah. I bet you they've changed uniforms since then, and he's just pissed that he's stuck in that one. He's like, oh, your T-shirt looks nice. Yeah. You don't know what it's like. Within my, in my little clumpy the, boots. Yeah. What are those little shiny things? Spurs. <laughs> what are those little shiny things? I feel like I'm in Texas. Everyone just screamed spurs at me. My first thought was toe rings, and then I was like, that's... <laughs> That's not where we're going, I guess. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Uh, also, I, because I have no experience at all with cowboys, my first thought, <laughs> if you didn't just jump out and scream spurs, I was going to be like, you know, the things that, like, Woody on in Ty- yeah, Toy Story yeah. doesn't have. I would have gotten it with that, though. The only, yeah. the only cowboy I can think of. So, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, something will force play. And it's not like it kind of knocks it out of your hand. It's like something fucking forces the side of your hand and one of the uh, former servers actually has been quoted saying i can attest to the force of the plates being ripped from my hands and propelling fish and chips halfway across the room oh no it happened and it happened a lot so apparently it just feels like something's just smacking it out of your hands or just frisbeeing the plate away so oh my god uh, there's also, uh, a spirit, uh, one of the spirits of the woman. So we think the one that's dressed in 1920s clothing, right? Apparently she holds, she also holds the lady's bathroom door shut, just like a, uh, that steak joint, but for like minimum 20 to 25 minutes. Oh, great. And it's customary at this point to just know you're going to get locked in there. And the employees are prepared to just always go in and do bathroom checks because they are used to women just screaming at the top of their lungs trying to get out, but no one can hear them at over with like the music and everything. So they're just they just go in and check them, make sure that nobody's oh stuck god, all the time. Oh my god, what the fuck? And like the doors aren't warped or anything; they swing totally fine. Like, like, and I've had this experience before where like I've had a for the people who don't believe I sound like a crazy person, but I have had the experience where a door that very easily opens and closes all of a sudden just got stuck for a whole 45 minutes. Yeah. And it took like six people to try to open it and it wouldn't. And then eventually we just gave up and I decided to like sit in the bathroom and just, I had decided that's where I was sleeping that night. And then the door popped itself open and I was like, oh no. (laughs) So anyway, stories like that, because I've had that happen to me. Those are like the first ones I believe. So Apparently, there's a lot of screaming women in the bathrooms. (laughs) And one time, an employee heard a, quote, loud hysterical shrieking coming from the bathroom. And he rolled his eyes and was like, oh, another one. So he went to go check. And apparently, as he got closer, the screaming got louder and louder. Um, He got went into the bathroom and he tried to talk her down. He was trying to kick the door open. He was trying to, like, throw his whole body into it. And she was becoming more and more hysterical. She was just freaking out. And then eventually he, like, didn't know what to do, so he just stood there, and the door just popped itself open. Oh, no. And no one was in there. What? What the fuck? So. Oh, no. Someone likes attention. So. Oh, my God. Okay. 
So th- anyway, those are the stories of the Red Lion Pub, but, but I did tell you that uh, I did have some stuff about the Biograph Theater real quick. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's the theater that's across the street, and uh, it is the theater that John Dillinger died in, or the alley that, yeah, yeah. Hang on, I'm going to tell you about him. I'm, t- I'm going to pull a little mini Christine yeah. and Emma tell you a like, little true crime. Are you covering John Dillinger or no? And I was like, should I be? Well, I, I wanted to tell some stuff about him, but I didn't want to like walk all over your story. But that's not happening, so yep. I'm just going to do it. So. Uh, so John Dillinger, he was the first criminal to be public enemy, enemy number one. He <laughs> is awesome. Good cool. for him. He robbed 10 to 20 banks in less than a year. Yeah. He was a part of three jailbreaks. Yeah. He killed and or severely injured almost 20 people. No, I don't like that part. He was either a member or associated with uh, a gang called the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. And he was charged for the first time at 11 years old for theft. So, oh, lifelong. So, in 1934, I'm not going to get into, like, every... I mean, that was just, like, a quick little uh, spark note for you. But in uh, 1934, uh, the cops were like, we got to get this guy. So, Dillinger, he's apparently, like, a fuckboy because he took two women to the theater at one time. <laughs> To see how you doing, cowboy? How you doing, cowboy? <laughs> and he was like, just fine, apparently. So they went to Me go and see my shiny toe ring. Look at my spurs. <laughs> so they went to go see Manhattan Melodrama. Oh yeah, love that flick. <laughs> is it a movie or a theater? I think it's a movie. Okay, it is because it's starring Clark Gable, is what Wikipedia <laughs> told me. Yes. So uh, one of the women was dressed in a bright orange dress. Sure. Um, but it was mistaken for red. So now the story goes that she is the lady in red, but it was orange. So. Wow. If you're colorblind, it doesn't matter. No. Nope. <laughs> Probably does not. Uh, when, so when Dillinger walked out of the theater, the police cornered him because uh, they, be, they knew he was going to be at the theater. So they cornered him. Dillinger ran towards the alley, and they shot him twice. <gasps> And he died. Oh, no. So he died in the alley right next to the theater, which is across from the Red Lion Pub. Got it, got it, got it. Fun fact. Oh, dear. Witnesses knew when they saw this happen and they looked at the body, they were like, holy shit, that's John Dillinger. So they all took out their handkerchiefs and started mopping up his blood oh. as souvenirs. <laughs> so they could, what like. What's wrong with people? So they could say they had something. From that moment. I bet you someone out there is like, yeah, my great-granddad has a disgusting, crusty old (laughs) handkerchief. Oh, that's foul. Like, we're saying gross, but there is someone whose grandpa has that. I bet you. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, the lady in red, uh, slash orange, orange, (laughs) she apparently might have double-crossed John. Because she told the FBI that oh, they would be there. Shit. And this was an exchange. Apparently she wasn't uh, from here. And it was a, an exchange to get help to stay in the country. She was like, I'll help you find him. So oh, I'm going to make sure he's at the theater. And that's when you can get him. Damn. So she may have double-crossed him. But apparently there's a conspiracy theory where she actually double-crossed the FBI. And warned John Dillinger in advance. And they had a... Small time, small time criminal that no one really knew yet, take his place because he looked so much like <gasps> oh, John Dillinger shit. that they made sure like 
hey, John Dillinger, don't be here. We'll use your lookalike, and oh, they'll kill him, and I you can escape. I got to cover this story. This is cool. It's a doozy. Oh, spoiler, maybe. Who knows? Well, uh, you won't tell, right? No. So she double-crossed the, may, may have, if this conspiracy theory is true, double-crossed the FBI because instead of John being there, a small-time criminal no one knew when he was new to the area, too, so no one was going to wonder where he was. That's terrible. Okay. His name was Jimmy Lawrence, and he went to the theater in John's place. Um, Jimmy looked just like him, and it gave John a, the time to escape. Um, so, and the conspiracy has some weight to it because an autopsy report says that the man had brown eyes, not blue like John. Oh dear. The corpse had a heart, the corpse had a heart condition since childhood and John did not. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, also this person was shorter and heavier than they thought John was and two known scars that Dillinger was supposedly had were not there. Oh man. Interestingly enough too, nobody ever heard from Jimmy Lawrence again. So it may or may not have happened and. But it totally did. It sounds like, like it totally we all did. agree, right? Okay. Uh, and then, uh, ba ba Where was I? Oh yeah. So this is just a fun fact, but I. God damn it, Em. So apparently, I'm gonna have to pee in like five seconds. Apparently, my mom's uh, so ashamed. I'm getting like applause for pouring <laughs> myself a drink. It's a dream come true, Renata. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the things that he, that John Dillinger did because he was getting so notorious, he was like, okay, everyone knows all my like main physical characteristics. I need to get plastic surgery so I can have a different face and nobody can, will know what I look like anymore and I'll get to start all over and keep, keep it up. Okay. And so he spent $5,000 and paid a doctor whose license had been revoked because <laughs> he needed something quick and this guy was like in jail with him at one time so he at least knew that he could g- approach this person oh my god okay and was like change my face oh my god okay so th- then he did and he got out of surgery and he was like all right i look like a totally different person now i get to have this whole other life and the cops are a couple steps behind now and can't find me again and then when they shot him it was not even a month later so he got all this surgery like just to like die anyway and be caught anyway if if he was the one that really died and not the lookalike but but it was was totally the lookalike right right i I thought that was a fun fact though of like oh you you went through all this stuff and then like not even 30 days later you died. right 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 so anyway that theater since he did die right in the alley and it's very notorious uh the theater itself does happen to have some ghosts including cold spots um breezes that brush up against you your arm gets uh, wiped, like pet, like stroked. Oh, I don't know dear. what word oh. you want to use, but none that, of happen- them. that happens to your arm. Uh, people have pictures of lurking shadow figures. Cool. People also see something walk by them in the bathroom when they're alone. Uh, there are apparitions of people in old-fashioned clothing in the audience, and when you look back to see who it was, all of a sudden nobody's sitting there. And finally, there Checking. is a, a bluish-gray figure of a man that runs from the theater to the alley, falls and then disappears as if <laughs> as if it, it were john dillinger slash the lookalike like oh, replaying their last couple seconds terrible. of life okay so apparently a lot of people see the silhouette run out of the theater and into the alley and, and then fall and oh, vanish oh god okay that's all i have for okay you. good job that was a lot guys i'm sorry but Damn. That was a doozy. 
You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink daylight saving time is starting up again it may feel like there are more hours in the day but if you're hiring it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner there's only one way to do that zip recruiter right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, I'm going to be honest, Chicago, because you gave me a lot of options for crime stories. I'm sure you know that, but yeah, there were a lot of things to pick from, a lot of fun fun stories to pick from. Um, so I picked one that I am going to... I, I'm very excited about this one. I've been wanting to cover this for a long time. Um, and you'll see why, but today seemed like the perfect time to do it. So this is the story of the Chicago Tylenol murders. Ooh! You don't know about it? No. Oh, that makes me so excited. Okay, Tylenol like the medicine? Yeah, dude. Okay. It's more fun when M doesn't know because it's like I'm telling him really fun facts. This is like when I did Gypsy Rose and you had no clue. <laughs> yeah, that was a game changer. <laughs> Still one of my favorites. Okay, <laughs> let's just get into it because this is a big one too. I'm gonna. Well, we'll just do it. All right. There's a bar. You'll be fine. Okay. So <laughs> let's just dive right in. September 29th, 1982. Oh, it starts really sad. So sorry. Uh, Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old girl from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Starts off a little happy, but it goes really sad, sorry. Uh, So she wakes up feeling sick. She stays home from school. Her parents give her some Tylenol. She goes into the bathroom to take it, and moments later, she collapses to the floor. She is rushed to the hospital, is pronounced dead at 9.56 a.m. 
At 3.45 p.m. that same day, 27-year-old Mary Lynn Reiner is at home recuperating from giving birth to her fourth child. Uh, the hospital had given her Tylenol to take home if she has any pain, and so she takes two Tylenol, and moments later, she collapses to the floor and dies. Next is Adam Janice. He's 27 years old. He's a postal worker in Arlington Heights. <laughs> Ooh, I love that vibe of like, yay. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, I try to, yeah. Get excited when you can, I guess. Okay. Find, find the sprinkles of light <laughs> yeah. in this, if you will. The suburbs of Chicago are the sprinkle of light in this story. <laughs> And in all our lives. Okay. So Adam Janis, he's a 27-year-old postal worker. He takes a sick day because he's not feeling well. Uh, he picks his kids up from school, stops at a Jewel convenience store. See, I didn't know that still existed. And he gets some Tylenol. Oh. He says to his wife, he's going to take some Tylenol. He's going to lay down. A few minutes later, he comes staggering into the kitchen, and by 3.15 p.m., he is also dead. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, what year is this again? Uh, 82. Okay. So after Adam is pronounced dead at the hospital, his family goes back to the house, like, basically in shock to, to kind of uh, collect themselves, to figure out, you know, planning the... He's 27, so they're like, we have to plan a funeral. You know, it's a whole thing. So they are back at his house. Um... Unfortunately, his younger brother, Stanley, has chronic back pain. So his wife goes to the medicine cabinet to grab him some Tylenol. So two family members now. Well, so she gives him two pills of Tylenol. And then she has a headache, so she takes two also. Three? Yeah. Within minutes, they both collapse. They're rushed to the hospital and are both pronounced dead that night. So, oh, my God. Yeah, bad, bad news bears. So later that day, 31-year-old Mary McFarland of Elmhurst, Illinois. Yay! Sprinkle of light! <laughs> Mary McFarland tells her coworkers she has a headache. She takes a couple of Tylenol. Within minutes, she hits the floor, and that night she is also pronounced dead. <sighs> Listen, we're almost through this part, I promise. The next day, around 5 o'clock, police are sent to the apartment of 35-year-old flight attendant Paula Prince because she had not been heard from in a few days. On her way home one night, she had stopped at Walgreens to buy some Tylenol. Um, they actually have, it's really wild, they have like surveillance photos of her at the counter buying the Tylenol. Um, and they actually released, the, like Chicago police released the photo to the public because they believe that a man who is several feet behind her watching her is the perpetrator. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. But just so you remember, Paula Prince is the one uh, in the surveillance photo. Paula Prince. Got it. Paula Prince. Um, so she bought the Tylenol. Nobody had heard from her for a few days. So they show up to her apartment, and they find the bottle of Tylenol sitting open on her vanity. She had stepped one step away from the vanity and had collapsed and died. It's happening so fast. It's so fast. Yes. I know you guys like already know the story, but I don't. But like <laughs> in my head, I'm like, whoa! Like it's very sudden. They're it's just minute, yeah, like moments. Oh truly. my god! Wow. Yeah, it's Ooh. really crazy. This is bad news. Okay. Bad, very bad. Yes, very bad. So we've now reached seven victims all in the Chicago area. Um, it was ultimately the fact that three people died in the same household, which was obviously the Janus household, um, that led investigators to some answers. So Cook County investigator Nick Pichos compared the Janus Tylenol bottle to Mary Kellerman's bottle and noticed that they shared one similarity, which was the control number on the bottle. 
so he calls a deputy exam medical. Oh, so he tells a deputy medical examiner. Blah, 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 blah. Let me start over. Eva, okay. Eva, you know what to do. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I got too excited. Okay. So when the deputy medical examiner Edmund Donahue hears this, he tells Pichos, "Hey, you should smell the bottles." And at first, I was like. Why don't you smell the fucking bottles? Right, that was my thought. I was like, don't, don't, don't make me do put that. my face in that. <laughs> I feel like we've read too many of these stories and now we're just suspicious <laughs> of everything. Something. If someone tells you to smell, taste, lick Tell something, them to do it first. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, I'll do it after you. Right. So, <laughs> so, right, so he's like, you should smell it. And he's like, okay. I also did find out they were on the phone. So I was like, okay. That makes a little more sense. I thought it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Y- you smell it. Yeah, yeah I'm on board. I'm they on board They were now. on the phone. So uh, Pichot smells the bottle, and he says, huh, it smells like almonds. And now, do we know what smells like almonds? Cyanide. Thank you. I didn't know that. You didn't? <laughs> I'm learning so much. <laughs> Cyanide smells like bitter almonds. So... It's actually really lucky that he noticed that because apparently only 50% of the population can actually, like, smell that almond smell that cyanide has. Got it. Um, I don't know if I'm one of those people, so hopefully... It's like being a super smeller, like like how super tasters... Yeah, but it's it's still 50% of the population, so... Okay. Not that super, but... Look, I just learned this, like, five minutes ago. Okay, I know. I'm not going to... I just... Just keep going. Okay. Listen, he smelled some almonds. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, they tested Tylenol pills. Turns out they were laced with cyanide. Uh, potassium cyanide at up to 1,000 times the lethal dose. Literally, one pill had the capacity to kill 1,000 people. So, that's why they Holy were... That's why they No wonder they're literally exactly, just... Hit the floor in seconds. Falling yeah. over. Oh, my yeah. God. So, just very extreme, very quick, uh, very strong. Uh, so... So... so- yeah. Right now, my assumption is someone is planting cyanide in Tylenol bottles. Yeah, that, yeah that's what they're realizing at that, this point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board. So, police, you're just like this guy, this county guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a you're county guy. You're a medical guy. examiner or something. Yeah. That sounds Edmund. right. Um, so, police rule out manufacturers because the tampered with bottles had different came from different pharmaceutical companies. So, they were like, okay, it's not the manufacturer. However, because obviously all the seven deaths, deaths had happened in Chicago, they were like, well, it couldn't have been sabotage at the production level because if it had happened in, like, a production facility, they would have been spread out all over the country. So now police are thinking, like you said, that the culprit had purchased the various bottles at retail outlets throughout, the, throughout Chicago, adding cyanide to the capsules. And at the t- they, were like these, they were like the capsules that had, like, you could open them up. And they had, like, powder inside them. It wasn't, like, a gel cap or anything. I yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So you could open them up. Um, so they believed that someone was buying the bottles, adding cyanide to the capsules, and then methodically returning to the stores to place them back on the shelves. So the killer would have had to do this shortly before the murders, they realized, because the cyanide otherwise would have eaten through the bottle. So they were like, it must have happened, like, the day before. Otherwise, the cyanide would have corroded the plastic of the bottle. Gotcha. So they, the, per, the whoever did this would have been in Chicago basically d- during when these murders were happening. So on October 5th, 1982, Johnson & Johnson completely halted Tylenol production and issued a nationwide recall of all Tylenol products. Approximately 31 million bottles were in circulation at the time, and all of them were pulled off the shelves. Oh, yeah, okay. It was insane. Um, it cost the company an estimated $100 million. Ooh. Yeah, it was <laughs> not good for them. 
Uh, all 31 bottles, million bottles, were removed from shelves nationwide, and Johnson & Johnson ate the cost. Um, by the way, that today is worth uh, equivalent to about $267 million. So it's quite... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> quite a chunk of change. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Johnson & Johnson also offered a $100,000 reward for any information that might identify the perpetrator. And <laughs> this is weird, guys, but Chicago police uh, drove through the streets with mega megaphones. Uh, <laughs> are you the bad guy? Let us know. <laughs> come out, come out, wherever you are. We're on to you. <laughs> uh, well, sort of. They drove through the streets saying, don't take Tylenol. That's probably more useful. Probably more useful. <laughs> A better use of their time, Holy I think. Oh, yeah. oxen free. Yeah. <laughs> Red Rover, Red Rover, send bad guys on over. <laughs> oh, boy. So they literally drove through the streets with, like, megaphones shouting, don't take Tylenol. And obviously, surprise, surprise, this caused, like, a fucking mega panic in Chicago and basically the entire country. Fortunately, though, Johnson & Johnson was, like, really behind that. They were like, yeah, like, make sure nobody else gets hurt and yada yada, even though their share in the painkiller market dropped from 35% to 8% within Whoa. days. Yeah. But really good bad. for them as a, it as was, a company. Yeah. To it like is one of those things company. that they actually look back, like they use that as an example of like, this is how corporate PR yeah. should work rather than some of the fun ways that they do it now. Um, anyway, uh, so terribly enough, hundreds of copycat attacks involving Tylenol and other over-the-counter medications took place around the oh, U.S. Shit. immediately following the Chicago deaths. So it wasn't just Tylenol. It was like Excedrin and Advil. Like people just started fucking with... with what is wrong? Like, what the fuck? Why are there multiple people out there know. who think this is funny or a good idea? Who are like, cool, I'll do that too. I don't know. So, anyway, it didn't, at the time, it was a full-on panic. Nobody, you know, nobody felt safe. Um, everyone was throwing out their medications, obviously. Uh, a pro- there were approximately 270 copycat attacks within the month after the Chicago. How many? 270. Hello. Yeah, terrible. Um, which obviously also didn't help them narrow down Right, the possible it's not original perpetrator. Right, right, right. right. Um, okay, so they tested 1.5 million bottles, which was approximately 10 million pills, and they found 50 capsules containing cyanide across eight different bottles. So five of the bottles belonged to the victims. Uh, two of them were sent back in the recall, and one was still found sitting on a, sh- a store shelf in Chicago unsold. So that Ooh. one was still out there, like possibly going oh to be gosh. purchased. Thank God it was not, but um, that's a little chilling. Uh, investigators looked into every disgruntled employee who worked or had worked where the tainted Tylenol was made, stored, or sold. So just thousands and thousands of people. Uh, any shoplifters who had been caught at the stores where the Tylenol was found were reevaluated. Uh, anyone who had been recently released from prison or psychiatric hospitals in the Chicago area were interrogated. They even publicized the victim's funerals in the hopes that the killer would show up. But this did not bring about any significant leads. They still could not figure out who the hell did this. Um, but they did have a couple suspects. Good. So I'm going to tell you about them. Good. Yay. Oh, okay. There's, I think, a couple more, like, um, suburbs in here, so don't worry. We'll get to them. You'll have your moment. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have your cheering moment. Um, okay, so number one, suspect number one, 48-year-old dock worker Roger Arnold. Uh, he said some suspicious things at a bar one night about basically alluding to the fact that he had 
done the Tylenol poisoning. So uh, police were tipped off about that, and they searched his home. They found out that he worked at the jewel warehouse with the father of Mary Reiner, one of the victims. Mm. And Mary Reiner had actually purchased her Tylenol at a store that happened to be directly across the street from the psychiatric ward where Roger Arnold's wife was a patient. So they thought, like, maybe somehow there was a connection, like, he was visiting his wife at the hospital and had gone across the street to plant the Tylenol, or, you know, um, especially because he knew Mary Reiner. So, uh, da-da-da. They also found a, so they searched his house. They found a number of (laughs) crime manuals. Okay, well, we can find that in our studio, though, to be fair. Well, we both know that if anyone searches my home ever, I'm fucked, so. Or your internet history. Or my browser history. Yeah, I'm screwed. It's bad, 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 bad. <laughs> I literally, earlier, Google like, lethal cyanide dose. Like, I, it's not good. I, like, I would be in big, well, big trouble. I look, my, and my Google history today was ways people often die in Chicago. And then, like... <laughs> Number, top five ways people die in Chicago. And like, and your IP address is like, location, Chicago. Right, it's like, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> I was like, how to open pills to put in cyanide. Yeah, it's not good. It's really bad. We're screwed. But this guy had the early version of that, which was literal books that said, like, how to do crimes. Ew, yeah. books. Yeah. Ooh, what? What's that? I don't know. Um, so they were like, that's odd. Uh, they also found chemistry supplies in his house, including beakers, vials, and different powders. None of them were cyanide, but mysterious powders. So police never had enough to arrest him. Uh, so the next suspect that we're going to go to, uh, the month after the murders, October 1982, Johnson & Johnson receives a letter demanding $1 million, and they'll stop the killings. So the letters did not have a return address, but they did have a bank. They had, like, a, a bank account number to wire the money in, basically. However, because they're the FBI, they fingerprinted it and found the fingerprints of whoever sent it and traced the paper back to a tax consultant named James William Lewis. Strangely, however, the bank account that he had listed in the letter where the $1 million was supposed to be wired to uh, did not belong to him. Instead, it belonged to a man named Frederick Miller McKay, who was a former employer of James, (laughs) who James believed had cheated his wife out of $511. So he put his old boss's bank account information on the paper, hoping that the FBI would then expose this man's theft of $511. That's so petty. He actually said, I was hoping to embarrass him. And it's like... That's the most excellent thing I've ever I know, it is, yeah. So (laughs) police still were like, we should still look into this guy just in case. Uh, He did have a questionable past. Uh, He had been charged with murder in 1978 in Kansas City after police found the remains of one of his clients in his attic. That'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) However, crazy enough, a judge uh, ruled that the search of his home was illegal because they did not have a search warrant. So the charges were dropped. Incredible. 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 Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, also odd, Lewis and his wife had all <laughs> recently launched a short-lived business venture in which they attempted to import pill-making machines from India. And when police had caught onto that crime, so they had been living in New York City, when police had caught onto that crime, Lewis and his wife fled from New York City to Chicago, and they lived there in hiding for almost a year. And this happened to be right around the time that the Chicago Tylenol murders took place. Got it. Yeah, so bad timing. And also, remember that, so I was talking about 
Paula Prince in the surveillance oh, yeah. photo. Yeah, you remember. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh you I know Miss Paula. Remember yes. Miss Paula. So the bearded man, it's it's very creepy. If you you can look up the photo, and there's a guy like several feet behind her while she's in line buying the pills, and he's just staring directly at her. Ugh. It's very spooky. Yeah. So they believe that was uh, the suspect. Well, this guy looked just like this Lewis dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that's for sure him." Um, but it was black and white, a little bit grainy, so it's hard to tell for sure. Um, cool. Let's find out where I was. I don't know. Okay. Can I tell a story real quick? Yes, always. You know the uh, you said that the pills they like were taking them apart, and you would like yeah, yeah. What did you do? <laughs> Back when I worked at my old job, the same place where I had to carve carrots to look like Cheetos. Um, ah, yes, the good old days. I'm not gonna say the show or the actor I had to do this for, but I'm not saying. I already outed enough people, but my uh, one of the things that I had to do, I was I was the um, the pill filler for all of the TV and movie shows that you've watched. If someone took a pill, I'm the one that put fucking powdered sugar in that pill. What? But there was, yeah, what a cool job. But there was one. Why did act- you ever quit that? I don't know. I guess to be here tonight. <laughs> I guess. It's fine. Um, so there was there was one one actor yes. that uh, had to... It was like the most simple scene. They had to take one pill one time in like the entire series of the show, but demanded that there were um, 100 pills so that... And God forbid they needed to do it 100 times. Oh, God. And all of them had to be stevia, not powdered sugar. Right, which right. by the way is so like is so gross. If uh, just imagine like doing this with stevia for like five hours, and apparently it like turns into like concrete on your fingers. Ew. Anyway, that was my story. Oh, but then I watched that episode, and of course, the scene didn't even make it into the show. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was always the bane of my existence. That's rough, my like, dude. For nothing. Okay. For now, though. For now, you, though. Yeah, for this you got exact it. moment. You got it. But since you did this, I've been thinking about that. So I, I needed to say it and get it, it really off my chest. sent you right back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I was just thinking the whole time you were talking about this. Oh, yeah? I was like, I used to work as an assistant on a show also I will not name. And uh, my job was to scrape kale off the floor with a butter knife. So. Yep. Yeah. Super good. <laughs> and the kale was on the floor because... I always bought salads for the producer, and they had too much lettuce on them, so he would throw them on the ground, mm-hmm. and then I would have to... It's a whole thing. It was... Anyway. LA's exactly like you think it is, by the way. We have fun. It's like, yeah. this salad sucks, and then you have to clean it up. There's so much extra lettuce in this salad. I yeah. cannot. This is why Eva loves us so much. We just throw shit all over the floor. No, I'm just kidding. Every time we look at Eva, we're like, get us a salad with less lettuce, please. Thank you. <laughs> Make me a pill of stevia now. <laughs> Yeah. I need a hundred stevia packed pills now. Do it with your fingers. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. This is fun, though. Okay. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode Sorry. on our horrible Hollywood experiences this sometime. Is... <laughs> They're like, yeah, we just fucking heard it. Thanks. God. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to go back to this terrible murder thing that happened. That was me trying to do the, the, the sparkle of light thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. suburbs. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, yada, yada, yada. Right, so he, the pill machines, they moved to Chicago to hide out. They were there during the murders. Okay, so then he looked, right, he looked like the surveillance photo. And people were like, holy shit, I think that's him. Um, however, it turns out that uh, he and his wife had actually bought Amtrak tickets and gone from Chicago back to New York City on September 4th, 1982, which was 25 days before the murders. And because they said the cyanide would have had to have been placed there like the day before at the latest because the cyanide would eat through the bottles. I see. They said there's no way he could have done it if he was gone 25 days before. Got it. Okay. So um, they said like it's in, it's possible that he flew in for like two hours and then placed them and flew out. But they're like, it's very <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> That's a very specific instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed very unlikely. Um, however... Because he fucking is an asshole, he was convicted of extortion and served 13 years of a 20-year sentence for trying to, like, pin this murder, like, multi-person murder on his old boss for steal for not even For $500. Even yeah, for $500. So he served 13 years of a 20-year sentence, and he was released in 1995 on parole. But that's not the end of his story because... Well, okay, while he was in prison, uh, Louis bizarrely offered his help uh, to the FBI and explained in detail how someone might go about injecting the capsules with lethal amounts of cyanide. So they were like, well, we're going to keep an eye on you anyway. Cause you seem, <laughs> You're yeah. asking some interesting questions. He, he seemed to know a lot about, about how this might work. Um, as if that's not enough, in 2010, uh, so he was released in 95. In 2010, James Lewis published a book. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Called Poison! Exclamation point. Shut up! <laughs> it was literally... Might as well be a book called I'm Guilty! Exclamation point. <laughs> it was me! Yeah, I know. <laughs> the book's literally like... You, it's the most like... Uh, oh, God, it's so ridiculous. It's called Poison! Exclamation point. <laughs> and then the subtext is The Doctor's Dilemma. But he insisted that the book had nothing to do with the Tylenol murders. <laughs> Obviously. So... <laughs> That's Listen, neither here nor there. There's really no... They were like, well, we can't... I mean, he says it has nothing to do with it. We can't really pin it on... Like, so that... Let's just put him in our pocket for number two, right? Now, the next next suspect is my favorite. Oh, already? Oh, very interesting. I put four Ys on very, so... Ooh. You know it's going to be good. Um, the next, next suspect is Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Who okay. is currently serving life in prison for killing three people, wounding 23 others with bombs sent through the mail. Um, this is just one theory, but I think it's actually a pretty solid one. And okay. uh, a lot of people do actually think that it was him. So Ted Kaczynski is an Illinois native, and his first bomb was found in Chicago. Obviously, that's where the murders took place. However, there is one Tylenol death that was not official, and it occurred two months before the Chicago murders. And that was the cyanide poisoning, poisoning via extra strength Tylenol of J. Adam Mitchell in Sheridan, Wyoming, of all places. It was kind of like an outlier. Okay. Um, and Sheridan, Wyoming is a town very far from Chicago, but also very close to and on the route to Kaczynski's cabin in Montana, huh. uh, where he lived at the time of the killings. Okay. So if you look at a map, it's very weird. It's like Chicago's here, Sheridan, Wyoming's here, and his cabin's over here. Oh. So oh. they're very, very close. So it might have been a practice scenario yeah they think maybe he was if people who abide by the theory think yeah maybe he did like a trial run exactly sure. exactly okay um so there's also a map of where all the tylenol purchase purchases were made in chicago and weirdly enough the epicenter of the map like you know how they do that thing on uh, criminal minds where they're like well the line and the line yeah, yeah, yeah. and the line right love a good line you yeah. know oh my gosh love a good criminal minds let's talk let's talk about it later okay uh <laughs> 
Sorry, I just got really swept up in my own thoughts. Okay. <laughs> so, right. So they found the, quote, epicenter, which is oftentimes where the person lives because they kind of try to go out of their own neighborhood, but then I it see. ends up creating kind of like a, a, a perimeter. perimeter. I got oh, That's so nice. Jinx. Oh, um, we still got it. Remember that time we said perimeter at the same time? And I got Eva, it was Eva, write that down. Simpler that times, simpler times. So, so they found the perimeter. Nope, okay. <laughs> they found the epicenter of the map, and it happened to be Kaczynski's parents' house. Well, where he occasionally stayed. Uh, so that was odd. Uh, so according to Kaczynski himself, his motive was, quote, a desire to destroy the public's faith in the technological industrial system. And in his manifesto, he expressed a dislike specifically of the manufacturers of drugs and pills. Okay. So they were like, hmm, that is an odd. That checks out. Yeah, <laughs> checks out. Um, okay, so this is like a weird fun fact that I didn't know, uh, but maybe y'all know. Did you know Ted Kaczynski had an obsession with wood? Yeah? Okay. Uh, no? Two people do. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Um, How? So he, he ha- so, okay, so he had this obsession with, like, the concept of wood? I know, it's weird. Let me explain. So several of his bombing victims that he picked had the last name Wood or lived on streets that were either called, like, Wood Avenue or they had, like, a type of wood, like Pine Street. Like, I'm not kidding. He, Interesting. Yeah, he had a weird obsession um, with, like, basically, like, the vocabulary surrounding wood. I listen, oh, I so the voca- Okay. Right. Okay, so okay. Uh, that's like should be the least weird I thing wrote, that's happened in this whole story. But that's I'm the one like, we're all hung up on. It's the one I'm like, huh. I do have a couple examples. So one of his victims was named Percy. W- so he picked these bombing victims kind of like at random seemingly, but there are connections. For example, one of his victims was named Percy Wood, who lived in Lake Forest, Illinois. All right. We all like Wood. <laughs> okay, so... One of the other uh, victims was Gilbert Murray, who was president of the California Forestry Association. And the return addresses and pseudonyms that he would put on the packages, like the bombs that he would mail, would include references to Wood. For example, one of the uh, pseudonyms he used was Frederick Benjamin Isaac Wood, who lived on 549 Wood Street in Wood Lake, California. He's that's literally he's the, overcompensating yes, with the wood. Yes. He's too much. Reel it in. He's not even being clever about the euphemism at all, but whatever. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay, so Wood Lake, California. Yeah, so basically he had this clearly, like, thing. And he would leave clues kind of like, I mean, a lot of people think he's, a, he's the Zodiac Killer, but he left a lot of clues and, like, cryptograms, and they all had to do with Wood. Like, it's very odd. So, I didn't know there were so many ways Wood could be It's just the fucking about. word Wood, too. It's not even like, oh, and then he's going to do clever, like, no, it's just that fucking word. Okay. Like he's not even clever about it. Okay. Anyway, okay, I'm we'll gonna talk tell about you. that for like five yeah, hours. We're gonna talk about it, but I do have to tell you why I'm talking about it now because everyone's like, please stop. But <laughs> I do have a reason why I'm telling you about his weird obsession, which is that two of the three founders of Johnson and Johnson had the middle name Wood. Ah, okay. What's more, guess who else had a brown? Guess who else had a nope? A brown what? I didn't, sp- I don't, listen, I didn't speak English for a while. It's a whole thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's more, <clears throat> guess who else had a brown beard and receding hairline like the photo in the, like the guy in the, uh, the, the Paula Prince photo? Who? Ted Kaczynski. Oh. I forgot to tell you, he had a brown beard and a receding hairline. <laughs> 
that's part of the thing. If you look at the photo, it looks kind of like it could either be this Lewis guy or Ted Kaczynski because it's kind of blurry. But, like, it really could be either one of them. So, okay. a little weird. Um, obviously, all of this is circumstantial evidence, but in February 2009, the FBI did request a DNA sample from Kaczynski. So they were obviously taking the lead seriously, like the FBI believed he could be possibly a suspect. Um, however, Kaczynski himself has denied any involvement, which is a little bit odd because he's already in prison for life, and he's not the type to kind of, like, deny involvement if he's... Because he has his whole manifesto. Like, it doesn't seem right. like he would say he didn't do it if he if he did. Right, gotcha. Um, so in the end... Unfortunately, to this day, no one knows who the Tylenol killer was or what their motive may have been. But there is some good news that came of all this, and that is that in May of 1983, Congress approved the Tylenol bill, which required that all pill bottles feature tamper-proof foil seals, and that is why (laughs) we're not getting poisoned anymore. Yay! And that's the story of the Chicago Tylenol murders. Thank you, guys. Isn't that crazy, though? That's bananas. I did I did think I would find out who the guy was at the end, but I guess that's I know. for another day. Sucks for you. Let's go with Unabomber. It's the most fun theory of all, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, be yeah, talking yeah. about that for a while. Anyway. For sure. Thank you, guys. Anyway. Thank you guys for having we us. We had such a blast. happened here's what i think happened we put out that episode a couple episodes ago of the live show from portland yeah yeah, yeah. and then we like we we were so stoked that everyone was so enthusiastic and and really like hyped and then ever since and every show happens think, to be very loud like everyone's trying I to think beat we really portland. set a bar <laughs> which is good we like that it's good it's amazing thank you Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, thank you.